he specifically was asking her, like, have people switched up on you? Like, have you experienced that dreaded, mm-hmm. oh, you're acting funny kind of experience? And her response was that, yeah, <laughs> she has, but that she's realized that it's actually not her that's changed. It's it's that those people haven't changed. And I think if you're old enough, you've had these kinds of experiences, you've probably shared a very similar sentiment. It's a very sad thing. I'm not saying I agree with it because her ultimate takeaway was like, don't share your dreams mm. with your friends and your family. Yeah. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I do understand the sentiment because to your point, more often than not, and this has been our experience as well, that while people are proud of you, they are also more focused on your safety and security than they are mm-hmm. helping you achieve your hopes and more often than not that comes from a place of them sort of expressing or projecting words of caution or concern as opposed to words of hope or support welcome to the rich and regular podcast presented by success where we explore life at the intersection of money i'm kirsten and i'm julian and today we're talking about finding your people your people aka your community yes yes we're kind of continuing in the vein of awkward conversations leading up to thanksgiving (laughs) and at this point last week we talked about scammers and that you should probably bring up elder fraud at the table but (laughs) thanksgiving is actually next week at this point and it's always a good reminder of the one that julian almost ruined because (laughs) he was eager Little, little too eager I, I was about eager, his new beaver, money. Super excited. <laughs> uh, figured that I'd found the cheat code to life, which was this movement called financial independence. Now it was a, a really interesting conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to re- remember it, we actually spoke about this in our book, Cashing Out. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version, which was that our son was, I think, one at the time, maybe like not even one, and we were celebrating Thanksgiving at. Kirsten's parents' home, which is what we normally do. And I think we were just kind of projecting about different ways to like move the family forward. At least I was thinking about ways to move the family forward. And I was the conversation of investing in a college saving account, which is a 529, uh, came up. And we were saying that we were excited. We'd opened one for Bo and something that they should all consider (laughs) is like (laughs) instead of continuing to give him more crap like toys and trucks like our son it's crap oh my gosh you can't call people's gifts crap okay um (laughs) look he's got more toys more trucks more like stuff than you can imagine and what we were recommending is that hey like if you guys want to give him something then you can make a donation to his college account like that's what we're focused on that would be great. And like, wouldn't it be awesome to know that like everyone sort of played a role in getting him to go to college. And like, I just knew that everybody was going to be like, Oh wow. I never thought about that. You guys are (laughs) pioneers. And uh, no, it was more like, you're an asshole. (laughs) Like, Why would you say that? And that's not a gift. And you know, like it was just your responsibility to send your kid to school. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so weird. But again, as someone who is very much focused on understanding money and the psychology of money and the social and the cultural norms around money, like this is fascinating stuff to me because it kind of proved our point in in many ways, um, which is that this stuff is complicated and and that people are very irrational when it comes to money. Uh, And so all that to say, that was one Thanksgiving that I ruined. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, just for like a couple of minutes, maybe 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, and 
to be fair, this was at a time where the economy was doing really, really well. And so we were genuinely excited about the idea of setting aside money during a bull market. But whether you're in a bull market or a bear market, it's not uncommon for money or the economy to come up at the dinner table one way or another. And depending on where you are in your financial journey, you may get into some heated disagreements with your loved ones. And it's not always them disagreeing with you. Sometimes it's you disagreeing with their choices. Maybe you've had a front row seat to watching them make some financial mistakes over the years and here they come with another one. Or maybe they've made a bad decision that everyone is still paying for and kind of talking around or avoiding Whatever it is, the goal of today's episode is to remind you that like-minded people are out there. And in our experience, it's worth spending the extra effort to try to find them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we speak about this in our book. We talk about this in person quite a bit, but community has really been the secret weapon for us. Uh, And so just a couple of examples of that. Like, it's it's a place where you can ask questions and get, like, real life kind of like filtered answers without all of the fluff. Like your community, especially when it comes to like debt payoff or building wealth or investing or something like that. Like when you're talking to people who don't have any of these added layers into the relationship, like I remember back when you were X, Y, Z, like they're just, you pose the question, they're answering the question based off of you posing it, not who you used to be or any of the hardships or trials that you've gone through in your life. And I think that that's one of the things that really makes it really, really helpful. Two is just beyond the answers, like just beyond answering the question or finding answers to your question, the right community can give you really invaluable insight about the process. Like there's a difference between this is what you should do, but then also now when you get there mm-hmm. or while you're on the These way, the trade offs you have. This to is what you're going to experience. Don't be alarmed by that, or make sure that you pay attention to these things. Or this is what you can expect from these types of communities or people or, or your advisor or the bank or something like that. And, and that can be really, really helpful. That makes me think of when we paid off our mortgage. We didn't have anyone that we could talk to, right? We just thought we'd go in there and China. Little did we know that we go in there and there's a whole, it sort of like sets off a, a trigger alarm for the bank to like say, oh, well, they paid off their debt. That's not good. Let's see if we can get them on the hook for something mm-hmm. else. You know, like we weren't prepared for that. Uh, and so that was a really interesting thing. So those are the types of experiences and stories that you really get when you find your community. And the last one I'd, I'd mention is that in a lot of cases, the relationship that you build with people extends beyond just like the surface money conversations. Because mm-hmm. once you find that common bond, it's going to lead to something else, right? So if you're talking about credit card points and how you use that to travel, that person's going to talk about the experience. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you're exchanging itineraries and even book the trip to go to the same place. You're asking for the same guy mm-hmm. or same girl who's the concierge at the hotel and you're reliving that experience or something like that. Like it just, it, it, it really, really is a bridge to building better relationships. And I think just you sort of creating this safe space where you can always go, where you can, not just take, but also be able to give and, and kind of pass on your own wisdom and experiences yeah. on to other people. Even on the other side of the spectrum, obviously vacations and kid stuff and family stuff is all great to have somebody to bounce ideas off with. But the other side of the spectrum, which is kind of watching our friends deal with their aging parents or manage long-term or chronic illnesses or get divorced, right? It reminds us that even with the best financial plans, you still need to leave some wiggle room. And it 
it gives us a kind of a sneak preview at the options that you have that are available to you when you've made great financial decisions along the way. Like the way that some of our friends are handling some of these challenges in life are very different than what we've seen role modeled for us simply because they have the means to be able to take a different approach. So that's nice to see as well. Now, I know community, (laughs) the word community, is becoming a bit of an empty buzzword these days, but I just want to make sure that we're clear that we're not focusing on the marketing jargon version of the word. We're talking about what forms after humans actually connect. That's what we mean by community. We're not saying go, you know, join a forum or buy into something. We're talking about connection, right? I love this quote from Laura McCowan. I think it's how you pronounce it. McCowan or McCowan. But in uh, a piece of work called We Are the Luckiest, she says, one stranger who understands your experience exactly will do for you what hundreds of close friends and families don't understand cannot. Mm. It is the necessary palliative for the pain or stretching into change. It is the cool glass of water in hell. (laughs) Now, don't come for me. I'm not saying your loved ones are hell. But I think because we love them so much and because they may have been our caretakers early in life, a lot of us expect their unwavering support. And when we don't get it, we feel like we've done something wrong or something has gone wrong. We start to second guess our own understanding and decision making. So like, for example, in my life, when I talk about our 10-year plan and how I'm designing our lifestyle over the next decade, I mention things like location independence alternative schooling for for Bo and being a one car household and my family members almost immediately get defensive right <laughs> they don't mean to be but instead of saying oh that's interesting tell me more they'll they'll talk more about you know what our son needs and what people the generic version not me and Julian what people need and it's almost always the opposite of what i'm suggesting yeah sorry if you guys can hear this uh, yard work outside. It's family. <laughs> yeah. Blowing smoke. <laughs> It'll go away in just a few minutes. But yeah, it's it's typically the opposite of what I'm suggesting. Meanwhile, when I log into the internet and I see my community that consists of peers and mentors and all these people I've met along the way in this journey, doing the things, getting rid of the cars, riding bikes, living abroad six months a year, yeah. it's almost jarring that I have to like experience both sides of that coin, like skepticism from my loved ones and complete normalization from people I see, you know, a handful of times a year, but I have to put it in context, you know, like, it's not like I can just get rid of them. (laughs) I have to remember that, you know, they haven't been my age in 2022, but even beyond that, they haven't had access to the same information or even the same challenges that we have. And so their advice while well-meaning isn't necessarily applicable. Yeah, this this actually makes me think of a podcast I've been binging uh, over the last week or so. It's called Direct Deposit. It's on Audible. And even if you don't have an Audible subscription, you can actually listen to it. But it's hosted or narrated by Chad Sanders. And it's about the experience of what happens when Black people try to get rich. Uh, He's sort of telling it from his own perspective, but he's also sharing the experience by interviewing other uh, famous people who've gone on to achieve incredible things. And one of those people is Pinky Cole, who you may or may not know, but I think she's most widely known as the founder 
of Slutty Vegan, which mm-hmm. has since blown up over the last couple of years. She's done a number of other things, I think, hosted uh, or written a book, and I believe she even has a television show in the works. Uh, but she's doing amazing things. And he was asking her about her experience, just considering her glow up over the last couple of years. And he specifically was asking her, like, have people switched up on you? Like, have you experienced that dreaded, mm-hmm. oh, you're acting funny kind of experience? And her response was that, yeah, <laughs> she has. But that she's realized that it's actually not her that's changed. It's it's that those people haven't changed. And I think if you're old enough, you've had these kinds of experiences, you've probably shared a very similar sentiment. It's a very sad thing. I'm not saying I agree with it because her ultimate takeaway was like, don't share your dreams mm. with your friends and your family. Yeah. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I do understand the sentiment because to your point, more often than not, and this has been our experience as well, that while people are proud of you, they are also more focused on your safety and security than they are Mm -hmm. helping you achieve your hopes. And more often than not, that comes from a place of them sort of expressing or projecting words of caution or concern as opposed to words of hope or support. And again, I think that's really one of the things that separates communities from family and friends. Mm -hmm. Going back to our book, Cashing Out, we cited a body of research about imposter syndrome that basically said the people you go to for feedback impact how you see your capabilities and your achievements. And when people go to their in-group, their close circle for feedback, they feel more like an imposter versus when they reach out to an out-group where, again, people are just seeing you for who you are, which Mm -hmm. is someone that is present with intentions and is at some degree of where they, you know, between where they were and where they want to be. And this is literally at the core of our origin story, because when we found the five movement, one of the very first things we did was share it with our friends and family. It's a very natural thing to do. And we were not met with the response that we hoped for, Mm -hmm. even though we kept trying and trying. But after a while, we realized, you know what, I don't I don't need to force this issue. The world is significantly larger than just my in-group, my family and friend circle. And and honestly, I think till this day is one of the best things that we could have ever done. We've been embraced by a community around the world of people who are at varying degrees of their own journeys. And it's really helpful. We're all there for one another. And um, again, it's one of the reasons why we're highlighting this because I think it's, it's, it's the missing key ingredient that it's so easy to overlook. And we wanted to make sure that we were hammering at home just in case you're out there feeling a little lonely. Yeah. And this is actually coming on the cusp of some new research that indicates that Americans, American adults, both men and women, men more so than women, are all struggling to have close friendships. The number of close friendships has declined significantly over the last 10, 20 years. And it's quite alarming how many of us don't have these close friends. So look, we get it. Making new friends as adults isn't easy. And then certainly building a relationship around a topic as charged as money may not feel natural. But today we're going to talk about two ways to find your community, both online and in person, and then land on our recommendation, which, as you probably guessed, is doing a combination of both, right? Somewhere in the middle. And just know that as you listen, because I know there's some skeptical folks out there. I'm not mad at y'all. I know. The eye rolls. I can see them. We get the DMs. (laughs) Yeah. As you listen, you can apply varying degrees of intensity. So try not to dismiss anything because you're introverted or you're extroverted or maybe you're not able to travel to meet people or you're busy during the day and can't do a lunch. There's a whole lot of ways to connect with people, right? 
So just try to keep an open mind and we'll try to stay as broad as possible. And then you can personalize it when you start applying (laughs) the information. So let's start with the most accessible way, which is online. I love online because it's something that you can do passively. So it's great for busy folks who really can't block out an hour to go grab coffee with someone. And then I also love online because it compounds. Once you teach the algorithm that you're into something, it's just going to keep giving you more for better or for worse, right? You've heard us talk about advertisements. You've heard us talk about digital marketing, but you've also heard us talk about community. So the algorithm is going to say, if you're into this thing, here's some more of it. Here's this flavor. Here's that flavor. So online, there's a couple of ways to connect with people, particularly if you have social media. It's a little more difficult if you don't have social media. So I recommend maybe creating an account specifically for this purpose. But you can search hashtags. And on some platforms like Instagram, you can even follow hashtags. And so instead of looking for a specific person, you'd follow the cheap meals hashtag. And depending on your settings, every time you log in, you see people who have posted under that hashtag in your feed. So you get a variety of cheap meals, cheap meals within Asian cuisine, within American cuisine, within French cuisine, because you're getting a global perspective, right? Assuming they used an English hashtag. So that's one way to do it. But one of the more advanced ways is to actually just join a group. And these can be free or paid. And there are pros and cons to joining a group. On the one hand, you get access to lots of different scenarios and contexts that people are encountering financial challenges or questions within. So that's helpful. You get access to all income levels, geographic regions, all that jazz. But on the other hand, you get lots of opinions with varying degrees of knowledge. All people have is their own baggage and what you wrote on that screen or what's on that screen. And so the number of responses and conflicting responses that you'll see can be off-putting, right? So that said, groups are great for people who are discerning about the advice they take and are just looking for kind of camaraderie and general conversation. If you are someone who needs more filtered information, then you probably have to do a paid option where you know that everybody in the group kind of has the same goal and might be around the same level of experience as you. I want to add something to what you said that I thought was really good around the hashtags, because uh, I think you can get even more specific. So if you even think about something uh, like aspiring real estate investors, like you can add a hashtag like Atlanta real estate mm-hmm. investors or smaller cities like Smyrna, where we live, real mm-hmm. estate investors and so on. First rental home. First rental home, something like that. And then you'll find other people who are very much within that particular group, obviously, because they're using that hashtag. So we typically use that for things like business purposes. If I'm traveling to a city and we're going to be filming and we need someone who's going to be like a secondary cameraman or something like that, we'll put in that city videography or something like that or if we're specifically looking for someone, like I got this tip from our cinematographer, even to the extent of someone else who is in that city and uses like this type of camera setup, you know, they're typically pretty vocal about that using hashtags. So all that to say, like, don't eye roll the use of hashtags. Like it is and can be a really great way to introduce you to people that otherwise you would not have found. Because to Kirsten's point, 
These algorithms are designed to give you more of what you already want. If you don't tell it that that's what you want, it's not going to show it to you. Mm-hmm. I am not a big fan of groups. <laughs> like I, I'm not. I think part of this is just because I grew up an only child. Um, but I just, I, I'm not, it's almost as if like, I'm not a big fan of the compounding effect because it works so well. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I signed up for this. This doesn't mean that I want to like drink from a water hose. Right. And so I, I honestly, I might join a couple, but for the most part, I mute them. Because I also know that I can still find the answers to some of those groups uh, whenever I want them. So, for example, when I first got my Kamado Joe grill, like there's a learning curve there. Mm -hmm. So I joined the group and that allowed me to sort of master and get over that learning curve, try different things, learn from some of the tips. Uh, But once I signed up, I started. That's all I would see Mm -hmm. every single day. So I muted it. And at some point I just ultimately uh, unsubscribe. Very similar with some of the financial groups where I go, join in, where I may go there because I was invited and I respect the person who invited it. But the reason why I say you can still do that and get what you need is because each of these groups oftentimes have a search function. So you can go to the group when you want to search for something very specific and you can see the number of times that specific question or that term may have been uh, posted or sort of discussed over the years. And then you can get the same answers, same information that way, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just subscribing to those answers and hearing them every single day. Um, The second point I'll make is that it's a pretty good reminder of what you already know and where you can uh, be helpful is that everybody is an expert in something. But when it comes to money, we tend to think of experts as like this closed group. And so what I found is that you can sort of join groups kind of as a mentor, mm-hmm. or you can join groups as a true sort of newbie, right? Like you can play different roles in different groups. I was invited to uh, join a group called Afros on Fire, uh, I want to say sometime last year. And I'd heard of it, but again, I'm a little standoffish when it comes to these groups. But I hadn't connected the dots that actually someone that we know had actually started it and had done a really good job of joining the group. And so now when I'm there, it's almost like I'm there as big brother Julian, you know, answering some questions or just sort of offering some encouragement to people who may be at at varying degrees of their financial life. And so all of that to say, like, regardless of your level of expertise, there's probably a group out there for you. And it's it's really, really helpful to sort of be a part of them. And you don't have to be all in. You can kind of mix and match, dabble a little bit. That way you're still getting what you want without feeling like you're being Uh, like sucked into the matrix. Yeah, that's actually my favorite part about groups is that it reveals the parts of the financial journey where you're an expert that you don't tend to think of yourself as one, but you're an expert because you've experienced it. So in the women's groups or the groups that are catered towards women or catered towards moms, you'll see a lot of people asking questions that are specific to women, navigating a separation from your partner after you've been a stay-at-home mom or looking for remote work or preparing for maternity leave? What are the questions that you need to ask? Signing up for benefits for your family. And so these are all things that you may have done that you just dismiss because you're naturally good at it, but you can actually help someone. So let me just say this. Meeting like-minded people in real life is one of the best investments you can make in your financial future. Like, I stand by that. That's That's a a great way to meet, like, you know, like for hookups, I think. What? Granted, I've never done it. But, oh, you mean for like single but people? But every time we've oh, ever yeah, done an event, like There's I always, always underestimate. Mixer. Yeah, I always underestimate that that's a thing and that that is like what people are looking for. Yeah. And so there's why we did the event. They're there for the book signing or the happy hour or something like that. And then it's very clear. Yeah. <laughs> that when that, <laughs> is, single folks that, when that is done, you married <laughs> folks can go get on up out of here. 
and we're going to pull up to the bar and we're going to keep this party going, <laughs> yeah. which I think is pretty cool because like it's you a get to, <laughs> I want to be a fly on the wall sometimes. Just going to see how this is going to happen and kind of take credit for it. Yeah. I actually still remember the first time we attended an in-person meetup. Like it was yesterday. And this? I, this was when we went to the millionaire meetup at oh, our first yes. FinCon. Yes. Yes. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. And I always love when first timers come to our events, whether it's like a general meetup or book tour or a dining experience, because it's one of the first things that they say. They're always like, I never do anything like this. This is my first time. That I like, they always announce it. Are they all from the South, too? <laughs> yeah, they all sound like they that. They all sound like from, from Mississippi. <laughs> but by the end of the, of the meetup or whatever it is, they're basically like facilitating conversations and like leading a subgroup of the main group yeah. like first timers always thrive because it's almost like they've been missing something that they finally like it's it's like something unlocks when you when you really are ready to have like a support system outside yeah. of your your in group yeah yeah I, I i love in person like that to me is my absolute favorite because i always walk away with a bunch of stories obviously we walk away having met people that we never met before. In some cases, we're meeting people that we've only known uh, online, so to kind of meet them in person. And I think now it's actually pretty cool because we get to meet people who've read the book and they will tell us about their favorite parts. And then I have to sit there and pretend like I know exactly what they're talking about, but I don't. Like, they'll get down to the page. Like, what you said on page 75? <laughs> right. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I have no idea. But I, I just, I love, I, I love that people, uh, first of all, I, I find that people it's much easier to express like nuanced emotion, mm-hmm. like 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 humor and sarcasm or like deep frustration or just, you know, conflict, you know, yeah. in person, which whereas via email, it's so much more difficult because we get these emails too. And it's like, well, why don't you just do this? You know, but yeah. if I was talking to them, I could probably have a better understanding as to why they feel conflicted about what it is. I think the frustration is also important. Like it gives you a place to vent. Like it's very difficult to write online. Like, Oh, I'm so mad at this dumb decision that my relative just made without sounding like you're not compassionate or that you love, you don't love them. But in person, when you can say it in a way with someone who can relate to that, like it just opens up the conversation and you get this cathartic feeling because it's like, finally, I've been able to be honest about this, which allows you to hear the guidance or the advice or even just the commisery (laughs) in, in a different way. As a, as a self-described apprehensive uh, leader, (laughs) I, uh, I love those moments because it actually lets me off the hook a little bit. Like I, again, I don't, I don't mind leading or speaking, but I don't like being crowned a guru by someone like that makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, And what I love about in person is that when that happens, because I think we've done a pretty good job of curating our community is that it leads people to other people to kind of step in for us and answer that question and, and, and and force other people to keep their chin up. Like, you know, he's a regular person. He said Mm -hmm. it before, like just ask your question or just vibe. Like we don't have to do all that stuff. Yeah. It also allows you, if you have a guru in your mind to start to like, demote or downgrade their Correct. importance so I, I many call of it graduation us, yeah and, and sometimes it takes mentor. sometimes it takes going to meet and it's not a bad thing that's not that's not a way of saying oh this person isn't as uh thrilling or exciting or knowledgeable as i thought but i've been there where you you take a course or you you, you go to a session and then you don't learn anything and then you really have to look inwards and say well i probably should have trusted 
that I already know what I yeah. need, right? Like well, I really showed up here as a fan uh, or as someone that was admittedly insecure about my own skill sets, but I needed to hear it from that person that you got what it takes. Now you can move on to the next level. Yeah. And I think in person makes it a lot easier uh, for that sort of awakening or epiphany to occur. Yes. Not just for me, but for a lot of people. There are also times where you need to do something different than what your guru or mentor might have like drilled into your head or advised. Yeah. Like there are some philosophies that say you should avoid debt at all costs in all circumstances, but you might find yourself in a position where it's like, I actually need to take on a little bit of debt and what community will do will help you put that decision into context right. and say, it's not a fatal blow. Like I know you've been indoctrinated and told that you should never, ever, ever, ever do this, but based on your situation, this is what makes sense. And to your point, trust yourself. And these are the options that, that you are know how to get out of it. You. Yeah. And so it would be foolish of you to not take advantage of them because you've sort of earned it from a credit perspective and from a financial discipline perspective. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. The other benefit of meeting people offline in real life is that you can follow them online afterwards. So yes, there is like the obvious follows on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, but there's also the group chats and you know, what happens when you have somebody in your phone as a contact, your Apple watch or your Fitbit may pick them up and somebody is now like in your fitness group or your Peloton group. And it's nice to get those little bits of encouragement from people who are rooting from you from afar, people that, you know, you started connecting with for one reason, but have made their way into your life in other ways. Like that's, that's awesome. So that's our recommendation is to do a little bit of both, meet people online, join those communities, those forums, so that you have a trusted repository that you can search for answers and guidance, but then also take the step further to meet people in real life and then follow them online, like join their long tail of online content and community so that you can keep up with each other that way. So there are a number of ways to meet people in real life. Like I'm not going to spend 30 minutes walking y'all through the difference between an informal meetup versus a one-on-one coffee or lunch versus a conference that you can attend to. The point is it all starts with a commitment. All meaningful relationships are formed through commitments. You don't have to search high and low for the perfect community that is full of people that look just like you, laugh at all your jokes, all have the same career and political beliefs. You just need to pick a community or two and then commit to it. (laughs) Like know that there are going to be some oddballs, some people that you disagree with in your real life. Know that you can mute it at any point where it gets to be a little too much. But if you can commit to learning, asking questions and making connections, you can still get a lot of value from the communities that you choose. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of dialogue around the way that money intersects with traditional family support systems and how that can be an accelerator or a hurdle, depending on what kind of family support system you come from. But there's this concept called the chosen family, which is basically people in your life that regularly provide you with support, care, comfort, security, and any of those things. And it can be anybody. It can be a mentor. It could be an ex-lover. It could be a teacher. It could be whoever. The point is that they care for you and you care about them. And I think we just need more people talking about 
how these people came into their lives is something as simple as joining a Facebook group (laughs) or attending a conference and then how they've stayed over time. I think that'll be like the key theme when all of this is said and done and we're all retired sipping Mai Tais in Tahiti. We'll all be talking about how how we came to know each other during a time where the world was just crazy. That's my, you know, euphoria vision for community. All right. Sounds very white lotus. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show, by the way. If you're it looking is. for a Netflix show to binge, HBO White Lotus. Max. Oh, HBO Max, White Lotus. All right. Let's wrap this up. Okay. My final thought is as much as I love community and chosen family. Keep the light on for your actual friends and family, assuming that the relationship is healthy. (laughs) I always have to add that disclaimer. (laughs) I do think that another understated benefit of building community is that you really start to collect stories from other people that you can then share with your loved ones. So while they may gawk at you and you quitting your job and doing all this crazy stuff, they may love the story of your friend Bianca quitting hers, and that might open the door to their own financial kind of awakening. So leave the light on, be a connector between these two worlds, and you might be surprised about what happens with your own friends and family. I love it. Uh, My final thought is actually uh, for my fellow introverts out there. And and I I say that because knowing that someone's going to be like, you're not an introvert, but I 100% am an introvert. Kirsten identifies as an introvert. I sure do. Uh, but I don't believe that she is. Uh, but <laughs> Somebody at, called me an ambivert, ambivert. But I think I'm, I think I'm an introvert. Weirdovert. Um, <laughs> Awkwardvert. 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 <laughs> um, multivert. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Clearly, I have a five-year-old. <laughs> this is a game we play. My final thought is is really aimed at the introverts out there. And I'm going to just say this. Take it from me. Like I've been there. I have been hesitant to uh, buy the ticket to go to the conferences. Or I've come up with a thousand reasons as to why you shouldn't go to the meetup on the other side of town. Or uh, I've gone to the conference, but I left early. Or I went to the conference, but I didn't hang around and went up to my room to recharge uh, during the downtime when everyone else is networking. I would just say this, keep fighting. And I know it can be draining, but I've met more people uh, that have had incredible, remarkable breakthroughs because they really fought to overcome that thing. So I'm not saying you can't call it an early night. But I understand that it makes you uncomfortable. It can be awkward. You don't really know what to say. Maybe you're meeting someone that you think is a hero and then you feel like you embarrass yourself. Like as someone that has been on both sides, no one ever remembers that unless it's like super, super awkward. So don't worry about that. Just hang in there. Do your best. And I can assure you that at least 30 percent of the people that are at that meetup or at that conference are feeling the exact same way that you are. So just be honest and lead with that and say, I'm an introvert. I never I never go to these things or I never come to these things. And that can be that one little thing can be the thing that helps to tip the scales and get you to meet a new person, a new group of people, or at least have a really meaningful conversation with someone that you think uh, is a hero of yours. And so that's my advice to you guys. Extroverts, I'm not really worried about you. You guys got this. <laughs> Extroverts get all the advice. It's so unfair. You don't need more advice. Yeah. You're fine. Everything's catered to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. And thank you for being a part of our small but mighty community. We ain't got no HOA, but we do have a ratings and review page. So head on over there and leave a little deposit. 
for the greater hood of your community. <laughs> we will see y'all next week. Is greater hood a word? No. Okay. Well, I like it. Greater hood. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. <laughs>